Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. So we meet here to talk about cannabis data, do some exploratory analysis, crunch some numbers, and have fun in general. So just to give a, a brief introduction, my name is Keegan. I've started working in the cannabis industry as a laboratory analyst where I did everything from hands-on analysis, so just the sample preparation, and gradually found some ways to automate some of the lab work. Next thing you know, I'm a software developer and I've now launched a company, Canalytics, primarily to help provide software solutions to help people in the cannabis industry's lives, primarily labs, lives to be easier. And then there's just such a high demand for analytics. And so, that's what my background's in. So just trying to lend a hand. And how about yourself, um, Stephen? I, I guess Paul and Heather can introduce themselves here in a second. So I'm, I'm curious what brings you to the group today. <laughs> so surprisingly, I am not a, um, a cannabis user and um, I um, don't intend to be. Uh, my interest actually is about terpenes. And uh, so terpenes are uh, uh, also interesting to many cannabis uh, users. And uh, my uh, interest is in um, plant terpenes. So I do, I'm a consultant to a, a natural products company that makes uh, insect repellents based on natural products. And plant products are, uh, most of what you, you smell are uh, volatile um, molecules which are terpenes, 10 carbon uh, molecules that are terpenes. And so I'm, I'm very, very interested in terpenes, modeling terpenes, and particularly understanding uh, by plant species like rosemary and so forth, uh, what, they, what they are, um, if you take the essential oils or press them or use distillation to take the oils out, what is the relative contribution of the different uh, constituent molecules, constituent terpenes? And so I've done a fair amount of work in that area. And then I'm very interested in the tidyverse and modeling and so forth. So um, it turns out that one of the inexpensive ways of trying to understand plant terpenes more generally or like outside of, uh, of marijuana, well, it turns out if you want to understand that stuff, the inexpensive way to go is to use the marijuana testing labs. So I'm interested in understanding more about the marijuana testing labs, also reportedly uh, some of the labs are cheating by showing higher THC. And I also see inconsistencies reported between the labs for the same product. And so I'd like to understand a little bit more about that because from a production perspective, I'd like to incorporate marijuana testing labs in production of our plant-based insect repellent. So it's a mosquito repellent shipping and so forth but to go through and just easily go through and test, which primarily I'm interested in the terpenes, so. Fantastic, your interests align with the group perfectly well. So we've looked at a lot of laboratory data. Mm -hmm. Terpene data is particularly interesting and an area that we have neglected so far. So we've been working with this data set from Washington State, where we have a rich set of cannabinoid data so, and even, in fact, you know, Paul and I were talking about this briefly. So it's essentially 
we're interested in maybe trying to see, okay, is there any, you know, hybrid sativa indica distinction in the numbers? And so I'm, I'm, I know people have done work with that in looking at terpenes. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. So long story short, I think you're in, you're in the right place. And in fact, we may have a lot to learn from you as well. Great. Awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe return to that here in a second. Um, just to go ahead and go around the group. So Adam, uh, another new face. So it's good to see you here. Would you be interested in introducing yourself to the group? If not, um, Heather and Paul, you wouldn't mind uh, introducing yourselves to, to Stephen real quick? So, so Paul? Uh, sure. Hi, Stephen. Um, my name is Paul Kitko. Um, uh, my day job, I'm a data scientist with one of the big three automotive manufacturers. Um, what brought me here is um, I was actually finished up a master's degree in data science, and uh, I was looking for a big, juicy data set to get my hand on to do my capstone project. Um, and um, Keegan was uh, helpful in getting me started in that area, so I was using this Washington State data set to do some uh, what's called market basket analysis, some uh, retail uh, analysis on sales and dispensaries. Um, so I just wrapped that up uh, last week officially. Um, so I'm done with my master's program now. So thanks, Keegan. Congratulations, um, Paul. Thank you. Um, and also, um, Stephen, you mentioned the tidyverse. I like using the tidyverse because it seems to be at least for me, I'm not a I'm not a natural born programmer, um, and I, in fact, if I didn't have to be programming, that'd be great. <laughs> but it seems the tidyverse um, is very approachable and easy to use, so um, that's my tool tool of choice as well. So, that's about it. That, that's interesting. So whenever there's multiple lines of agreement, I get interested. So what what's this? Tidyverse and is so this is a data wrangling tool. So in R, um, there's a package of uh, it's a it's a huge collection of packages um, for you know data analysis and statistical analysis and uh, it's just written in a way at least from my perspective that's easy to pick up um, as a you know it's actually to me it's easier than Python so that's kind of why okay. I gravitated towards it. Okay, yeah. well. I could maybe at, uh, supplement his, uh, uh, Paul's comments. Uh, so generally you'll find people who are doing production work. That is to say, uh, uh, people have come up from this uh, computer science background. Uh, typically they'll have learned Python in school and they like Python. And it also feeds into machine learning well. Uh, people who are statisticians or PhDs coming from areas that are, that are not computer science, typically they'll use R. R is, uh, is, is uh, it's been around for many years, as Paul's indicated. There's a, now a new collection, a sub-collection, if you will, of highly integrated tools. So they snap together like Legos, and the goes out of one, goes into the next. Okay, so you can have these, you can think of them as uh, block modules, and so you can kind of, you know, connect these modules together to do hugely creative things. So you don't have, it's abstracted for you, that is to say. So instead of trying to get down at the at the bit and byte level, you know, you're you're dealing at a very at a higher level of abstraction, kind of like Visio or, you know, so forth. So 
the, uh, the advantage here is, as Paul's pointed out, um, people who are not programmers can move quickly, uh, I say relatively quickly, <laughs> with complicated data sets. So once you get a data set, for example, that's beyond you know, two pages of Excel, it starts to be really difficult to try to understand, to visualize it, to uh, model it, to just you know, clean it up, all that sort of things. And so there's a, a fellow named Hadley Wickham uh, who has uh, uh, instigated this thing called the tidyverse. And, and it basically looks at the complete workflow. So if you start off with, hey, I've got some raw data, it's always messy. Maybe 70% of your time is spent cleaning up that dirty data. And then, uh, then you want to start saying, well, what do it mean? What can I do with it? And what, you know, how can it help inform my business? So there are a lot of tools around visualization that's an important first step, and then trying to characterize what equations or what what algorithms might model that, you know, and, and what might that inform about, you know, what you do on a go forward basis. So for example, you might say, hey, I have a, a current, you know, I grow marijuana right now, and I want to increase a certain terpene. How can I do it? Well, one way you might try doing that is get some insects in to start munching on it, because terpenes are made by plants to keep, you know, munching insects away. <laughs> or just, you might say, I'm going to give it less water. See what happens. You just stress it different ways. And, and then you'll get different data. And if you have that different data, then you can start to model it and say, hey, if I give it 10% less water and 20% more light, what does, that ha what does that do to the resulting product? You're, you're hitting on something real clever. So this is something that yeah, several people are talking about and even somebody's talking about with Canlytics is essentially, yeah, so just measuring some of the, the inputs in your production and trying to estimate some of the yields or at least some of the effects on the yields. Yeah, I mean, if you were doing a production process of manufacturing something, you'd, you'd monitor it. You'd say, you know, here's, here's what I expect to be in spec when it comes out of the production line. With natural products, uh, especially, well, if you, I know more about essential oils than I do about marijuana, but in, in natural oils, the way it's, it's recovered is there's different ways to do it. You can physically spread, uh, compress it to squeeze out oil, or you could do something called steam distillation. That gives you, that gives you two separate products. So that's a, that's a processing example that you might want to change or adjust your process. On the growing side, it's a lot like growing wine. Okay, if you know you, the terroir makes a difference, you know. So what, what what's in the soil, the, the the water, the sun, you know, the all that stuff will greatly change the uh, will greatly change the essential the essential oil composition. So I would just as a general point, I would say there's probably some lessons to be taken from looking at just general plant mm -hmm. science, and then uh, applying those to the specific case of marijuana because the plants. There's a lot of conservation across plant types. So what happens in one species of plant very likely shows up in another species of plant as well, but different effect sizes. It, and this is where we like the, the cross-pollination of ideas. And so and then to just to, to introduce a, our two, two new guests real quick. So essentially, Adam, his mic's not working, but in the chat, so he, Adam's also getting a master's degree in data science, so. Paul's proving this is quite useful. And then you, you have experience working with cannabis companies in California. So excellent. We'll love to hear from you there. California is one of the states we haven't really studied too much in depth. 
So it'd be interesting to hear your your take on things in the markets there. And now, Sasha, it's awesome to have you as well. So welcome to the group. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to take just thirty seconds to introduce yourself, you're more than welcome to. Uh, sure. Um, my, I don't actually have a data science degree. I just have done some data sciencey things. <laughs> so I'm a data engineer uh, and BI um, engineer. And so um, currently I'm working on building software softwares for the cannabis industry, specifically banking and mm. the a point of sale. So the intent is to be for Oklahomans by Oklahomans and to try to ensure that if Oklahomans are going to spend money on a point of sale system, that it should be an Oklahoma based one so that that revenue stays in Oklahoma and that those taxes stay in Oklahoma and helps the community. So I am here to glean as much information from, uh, all of you brilliant individuals and hopefully be able to contribute as well. Well, it's awesome to have you, Sasha. That's an area that we would love to learn from you about what's going on with banking. Yeah. We do talk a bit about sales. Paul is probably the sales expert at the moment. Nice. And in fact, we have a little bit of Oklahoma data to look at today, just a little bit, but uh, bite size uh, to get us to start talking about this next idea. Great. So, so I guess just to go ahead and to, to dive into what I was looking at. Um, Sorry, Keegan, uh, this is Paul. I think we forgot Heather. <laughs> oh, Heather. Oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. I really appreciate you saying that. It's, it's all good. Um, thank you. Hi, Heather. Um, all right. Well, hey, Sasha. Well, well, Heather's an awesome attendee, and, <laughs> uh, and it is relevant because, so essentially, um, started just looking at a uh, a map, a, a map here of, okay, so like I started to think, okay, so let's start to really just start to get our... Um, you know, our ear to the ground and really start to figure out how, mu how much in sales and cannabis is really going on. Because, so we, we started talking about sales last week. And so we've been primarily looking at Washington State. And so there are, you know, polls out there with companies estimating you know, the size of illegal markets or the, the size of the legal markets. But, you know, here at the, you know, Cannabis Data Science Group, we try to, you know, get our hands on the data ourselves and, you know, crunch these numbers ourselves. So I figured, so why don't in, you know, this could be a little bit of an undertaking, but in, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, I think we can do this. So essentially, I thought that, okay, why don't we try to make the cannabis data science meetup group estimation of the size of the cannabis market. So that way, you know, Leafly and um, New Frontier Data, they have their estimates. And so then we can add our estimate 
to the hat to to see where it to see how it compares and so and what will be cool is we'll have all of our you know tools and sources is open source so that way you know someone can follow in our footsteps so but long story short we're going to have to do a little bit of homework here because so for example you know they have new york as fully legal however as we know and even so for example they've got virginia as fully legal um, and so I started looking in the, you know, the the regulations here for Virginia, and it, I believe things really don't, you know, kick off until 2023. So, right, right, exactly. So, oh yeah, and so this is where Heather may be interested. So Heather. Is essentially but <laughs> this is dot um and, and that was the other thing is i started to think about the interesting location of maryland and so you know maryland's you know surrounding dc and then like you said you've got virginia which is not technically legal but we've got some time to wait so so long story short there's a couple factors to look at here. And so without further ado, I'll just start showing you some of the data that I've started collecting. So basically, we've been looking a lot at the supply side. And the, the reason being is, you know, the supply side data is, is, is quite clean. So they've got the seed to sale tracking systems. So they relatively have a good measure of sales that are happening. And, and so, you know, and so that is essentially where supply and demand meet. So, so that's the, the market's cleared. That's equilibrium at, at our total sales right there. Uh, however, you know, we've only been looking at the supply side of the picture. And so, you know, I'm sure yeah, everybody... Can you, can, can you go through your data sheet? I put it on a bigger screen here because I got eye problems. Mm -hmm. and I need a big screen for spreadsheets. But uh, uh, I see. Uh, you have oh. not described your data. Um, that is to say, we, you know, you've got it on the screen there, but you need to go through the columns, at least for me, to explain what are we looking at. Yes. So let's look at it. Um, hold on one second here. Sure. I'll show you some of the visualizations here. So for example, starting to just look at some of the data here in Maryland. And so now we're starting to okay so for example you know we've got the mayor you know we've got maryland sales right so you see you know in maryland uh we've got a nice 
you know, they've got a steady increase in sales. You know, at the same time, you know, there's more and more patients. So if you were, you know, only looking at the sales, it would be just, you know, kind of hard to explain this. And so then, okay, well, that can be maybe explained by the number of patients. And so, well, you know, maybe the number of patients that may essentially track along with population. So, or, or maybe it's, or maybe it may out, the number of people signing up may out, be outpacing any change in population. So long story short, some of the variables that I thought would be worth looking at would be essentially, we'll start making panel data. So we'll keep track of the state and we'll keep track of the date and what's nifty is the you know the census has recently come out with the 2020 estimates so we can now get relatively recent you know, population for for all the various states. So this is where you see things start, there start to be some estimates. So for example, you know, we just have the fixed point 2020 population for Maryland. And so now if we're starting to incorporate incorporate population into our analysis, do we you know, start assuming that population's growing, or do we just leave population as a constant? And, you know, so. It's hard to get constants in this case. Like when I looked at this data first, I thought that I could use the number of caregivers. So in this case, these are people that don't necessarily have to have their, their Maryland card, but they would um, arrive at the dispensary to pick up the product for the uh, intended patient. So I thought that that was a measure too, but um, they, and they, it does go up, but not nearly to explain um, the monthly increase. So, um, so anyway, yeah, it's like 2% of the population in Maryland is roughly uh, holds a card. So we don't know about the other types of sales, but for legal sales in this case, yeah, 2% of the population. Exactly. And Stephen, were you going to make a comment here? Well, or? yeah, I mean, there's um, just a few things. And, uh, one would be, I would I would get rid of the sense on your column, that your uh, column D and column... Which one? For your revenue and, and total patients, just for clarity uh, and for easy scanning, you might just get rid of the, uh, the dot zero zero. Yes. So it's, it's, it's just, I mean, I realize it's a small thing, but trying to understand it and, and on a go forward basis, that'd be nice. The same thing for total revenue. And then also revenue per patient, like just round it to the nearest dollar. Uh, that, that will make things easier when you go to start plotting it and printing it and have labeled points and stuff, because it, it, it's not really significant to have, you, you're showing six significant digits and, you know, it's obviously it's not significant beyond the dollar. <laughs> oh, yes. So um, that'd be the first thing. And then um, as far as making it more readily understood, the, the uh, next thing is that um, 
course, the population number is not going to change once the census is set. I don't know that there's a way to show incremental increases to the census data. So that's going to be a static thing for the next 10 years or something. Um, what, what, you know, if you're looking for additional things, uh, you might want to break that population down um, but by age tranche. Because I think mm -hmm. that you'll find that uh, 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 marijuana use, legal and illegal, you know, or, you know, <laughs> sanctioned or unsanctioned, whatever, uh, is not consistent across uh, ages and across gender. So uh, I would think that that'd be useful. Further, if you do it, if you do it for one state, like we do it for Maryland, you might find that that model will carry over to other states. So you're, you mentioned that you might like to do some predictions versus other states. I suggest diving down on one state, maybe Maryland, and understand that really well, and then say, hey, people in Maryland might be pretty similar, might be similar to other states. So um, there's a really nice database uh, of census information that's free from the US government. It's a census.gov or something. So you can pull down a whole bunch of very specific information. For example, you might want to model this if you've got data, uh, dispensary data by uh, zip code in, in Maryland, you can then go back and say, hey, in this zip code, there's this, here's the distribution, the population distribution by age and gender, as well as income distributions. And, and, you know, so you can do a lot of that stuff to get a better model. So in other words, I guess what I'm really getting at is you could choose to dive down onto Maryland, come up with the characterization of Maryland based on uh, uh, characteristics that you get from census data, and then pretty quickly just flip it around and saying, hey, if the rest of the states were like Maryland, here's what we would expect to see. Okay. And that may be really different than, I, I think your other people are more likely to say, hey, what do we think is happening? Or they, they'll get out, they'll try to derive their estimate of the U.S. market a different way. But if you did it this way, um, it, it would be a useful, I, I think, I mean, I'm imagining not knowing anything about you know, your industry really, uh, but, but my guess is that they're not coming at it from um, a, a deep dive on one. This is like, it, you could use the Maryland data as a sample of the US. It's a biased sample, but it's still, it's, it's not bad. And you have it, that's some information that you can get. So, um, so again, we look back at the population. I, I recommend uh, splitting that uh, uh, by age tranche. And, and you, you can do that easily, as I say, but at, uh, at the census, it's like census.org or something. They have data sets you can download. And I'd start first by just looking at Maryland and trying to understand Maryland well. And exactly. From, and then from there, and, and so, so that, the first thing I would do is I download population data from Maryland. And I do that. There's um, uh, typically they'll break it by zip code or there's something else called a FIPS, F-I-P-S code. So just two different ways. I, I think they, the, the census may, maybe it has both. But, so, um, but the thing that's nice about that is that you can get a lot of correlations. Exactly. Like, you know. And so you, you've hit on the, basically the, the what's, what's key here. So we're basically, so um, so if you can see my screen, basically, I just have these quick facts from Maryland. And so with some states, you're right, we can get more granular. So Washington State, Colorado, you may be able to get number of licensees by county in Oklahoma, perhaps. I believe you can because you, you know the county of the licensees. So you could at least get licensees by county. So 
with certain states, they it can be a bit more granular. We're almost at just trying to do like a like like a, a national demand uh, <laughs> for cannabis, and so it. So long story short, I like your idea, and it's all, it's in this, this similar vein where we're basically we're trying to aggregate these explanatory variables and see if they can't help us predict predict demand in in other states. So basically, the idea was okay, so we can get the the revenue in Maryland. And so, you know, this is about 2% of the population, or the patients are 2% of the population. Mm -hmm. And they're spending, you know, on average, all, you know, almost $400 a month. And so, looking at, a, you know, and actually, so looking at actually a smaller state, Oklahoma, so Oklahoma's population's a little little more than half of Maryland. And here, you know, you have, so recently there was a, uh, a bulletin that showed, okay, in 2020, there were about 330,000 patients in Oklahoma, and then this year there was 375,000. So we're just chalk those in. You know, those are just just yet more data points for us. And so the striking thing here is that Oklahoma's got eight percent of the population, or nine percent of the population, is using it, whereas Maryland is only two percent. So the elephant in the room is why is one four times bigger than the other? Exactly, and so this is, I think, where some interesting analytics may be, maybe worth bringing in. So one is, could we just assume that everyone in the United States basically has around the same baseline consumption, and then the the only variation is just just being just just the black market essentially, or or are there actually systemic differences between consumption in in Oklahoma and in Maryland? Uh, so, so I pause you there for a second, and you see stuff right now with COVID and the misreporting that happened with COVID, for example, in Mexico, and uh, it was underreported. But what they did, what some people did, is they went in Mexico City, they were able to get uh, death reports by district. And by giving the death reports, they could make an estimate then of what was happening in Mexico City for, for COVID ahead, way ahead of any published data, which showed it was much higher than expected. In a similar vein, you might be able to say, hey, I get 10 friends or 20 friends or whatever, and buy a sample. But just see what the range of use is. Like how many, I mean, whatever the unit of measure is, is it a, I mean, joint doesn't sound like it's a standard measure, but maybe maybe you sell by weight or something. They can tell yeah, you, here's grams. the weight that I'm using per month mm -hmm. and see what the difference is. You might find that the distribution's rather small. The different the difference might be small. You might find that people who use it use some minimum 
and that at the maximum there's a limit maybe to how much you could possibly smoke. Uh, it, so that would give you an idea then of that spread. Just just knowing what that is, even with a group of 20 people, will tell you something. Um, as opposed to, you know, it's a simple thing for you, relatively simple thing for you to do to get just some basic understanding of what the distribution is. Because you may find that hey, there's some people who I mean, it could it could happen, for example, that 80% of the people are light users and 20% are just super heavy. That would be good to know. I can tell you also, being an Oklahoman myself, that getting a medical marijuana license, at least in Oklahoma, is, is much easier than some other places. So that could also account for the higher number of um, individuals that have a medical marijuana license. I think so. It's just, you got to hit it very hard. You might add another column, which says just subjectively, do we think it's easy, hard, you know, impossible, whatever, to get a license? Because that's, I think, I think Sasha said it directly. I mean, I, I tangentially, what, what I think I hear, you know, in, in my environment is that, is that uh, in California, like, hey, if you're already smoking, how could you make it legal? Oh, let's go get a marijuana license. <laughs> that's what I kind of think happens as opposed to, hey, I'm in pain. I, I tried, you know, painkillers. Now I want to try, you know, I tried CBD. Now I want to go to this, right? You know. So again, I don't know much about the patient process. So I don't know much about what you do to get a, to be a licensed uh, marijuana receiver. But I, I think Sasha's, it's gotta be something like that. that there's a yeah. huge difference. Uh, and, and so that would be another predictive variable. Okay. So if you just simply went through the 50 states and say, would ask 10 people to say how, you know, there's a lot of value to getting just, uh, getting a consensus estimate as to how difficult it is to get a license or mm -hmm. get a permit by state. And so you might get, you might go saying 10 people, where is it easy? Where is it hard? And I would make it like high, medium, and low. It doesn't have to be very, you know, it's difficult, not difficult. Hey, anybody who wants one gets one. <laughs> Just some, some breakdown like that would go a long way to explaining this difference. So your population doesn't change very much. Uh, it might change somewhat by state, but the biggest contributing factor here is likely to be how easy or how hard it is. Uh, and even though you may look at that and say, well, there's no numbers for that, you can make something called factors. Just just being able to say it's you know high, medium, or low, something like that, that would be very useful in explaining the, the difference between states. Exactly. And so, well, I think, Sasha, what you mentioned I think that's going to be helpful. So basically, we can you know start making some uh, assumptions here. So basically, we we can say okay, it's e you know easy to get a license in Oklahoma. So maybe this is close to like the like the upper bound actual number of cannabis consumers. So we can say okay, you know maybe almost everyone who consumes cannabis in Oklahoma you know, falls into this, these numbers. And so, it, you know, it could be the case that in Maryland that, the, you know, that about 6% of cannabis users, they may be using illegal cannabis. Um, you know, that six, growing their six, own. Or not, not 6%, but... Uh, uh, more like 80%, but, uh, but you know, making up uh, about 6% of the population. 
And, you know, um, the suggestion of, you know, Sasha's making about, um, you know, essentially trying to, or I think Stephen was saying, to quantify the difficulty of obtaining a license as a kind of a, a measure. Um, you may also look at the different data sources um, from the time that the application of the um, license was made until the time it was issued, if they keep track of that, just as a another way of trying to figure out how difficult it is to, you know, as a well, proxy of difficulty. One thing, this is going to be tough to parse, but I believe they have data on, okay, how how much in like tax revenue was brought in from license, so like how much licensing fees were in there. Um, I'm not certain that perhaps the MN license, I'm not certain though. So you may be able to divide that by the actual license cost to try to get the number per month. But so, so long story short, when you start to look at, you know, the patients and consumers, it, the data gets a little messier. So we're going to have to be real rigid about any assumptions we make. But essentially, this is just going to be, you know, the beginning of the path. So it's basically, I'm just going to start, you know, collecting the data points that are there for patients and just to try to start putting together you know, the demand side of the picture. And then along the way, we can you know, utilize the census and, and say, okay, you know, in Oklahoma, we can you know, use the population and you know, we can use the, like an age factor. So, it would be interesting to then just see, okay, can just using a crude panel, because we, if we add, you know, 30 states or so, or even just 20 states, we can start to get a, a picture of, okay, are any of these, are any of these explanatory variables correlated, even just like at a rough level? And then, like I said, then we can even start to just start to make conjectures. So we could say, okay, let's just conjecture that every state has cannabis consumers the same, at the same rate as in Oklahoma, then what would you would expect, you know, what would you expect sales to be in those states? And so we could start to just start make estimates. And so then that those, they're just estimates, but they may start to reflect, okay, what's the size of the illegal market? And so we could say, okay, you know, this is the population in Maryland. Then we could say, so, you know, I'm not certain what the populations are off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, you could start, Maybe Maryland has a comparable population to South Carolina. I'm not certain the population of South Carolina. Um, but you could start to you know, make comparisons and see, okay, 
you know, what is the potential demand if, you know, the whole country legalized and everybody had the same consumption rates as in Oklahoma or everyone had the same consumption rates as in another state. So, so a couple of things you could look at here. One is that you could say uh, the Oklahoma versus uh, Maryland, the differences between it's like one's like twice the other. Okay, N not 10 times, twice. Okay, uh, so that suggests that on average, you know, it, th there may be, both are averages. Uh, it, 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 it does suggest that, hey, um, there's probably distribution around that average, you know, for sure there is, but you know, that'll give you an estimate then of, of how much per user, but you, but, but you could also see that, Hey, because it was easy in Oklahoma, a lot of these presumably already current users said, Hey, I'm going to go get that medical thing. So if you want to try to start to estimate, if you say, if you took the perverse point that people on medical marijuana, let's say none of them needed it for marijuana for medical purposes, they just want to smoke it then you could suggest, hey, this is really an indication of how difficult it is to get a permit. But, but you can see that a place where it's easy, you might expect you might expect as a hypothesis, as what you call an estimate, you might call it a hypothesis that where it's easy to get a permit, everybody who wants to smoke it for any reason will get a permit. And so I would suggest going and looking at the states that have the easiest uh, rules and then see if you can find out what percentage of the population there has it, because people might be using the same thing nationwide, might be the same percentage nationwide. And mm -hmm. you know, just a quick search, you, know, you can get the state by state policies from someplace called the C Cannabis Industry Org and CIA News State by okay. State Policies. And so maybe that's a way to kind of go and say, let's pick out the states that are easy and, um, and then, and then uh, go from there. And I, putting on my uh, economist hat, the way we could potentially quantify the easiness is just the the price. Um, it's maybe a crude measure, but just, okay, how many dollars do you have to uh, pay to get a patient license? So then one could assume that, okay, so in Illinois, you don't need a patient license, so that would just be zero. In Oklahoma, you would use their licensing fee, and then, and then, I'm curious, Heather, would you know what the licensing fee, if there is, or and if so, what it may be in Maryland? It depends if you have to renew or not. So uh, the first time that you come in, it might be like $200 cash. Um, and the next time you renew as cheap as $100 to $150. Oh. Range. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know for certain, but I want to say that in Oklahoma, actually, I have no idea. Uh, I'll have to look this up for next week, but I don't think it's $200. Um, so I want to say it's between... Between 60 and I want to say it's between 60 and 100, but I'll have to look this up to be certain. Yeah, it's, it's like expensive here. Exactly. And so those are, those are just two data points. However, essentially, th that would just be a step, you know, a fixed state by state variable. No. So basically, we'll just start, whoops. 
we'll just basically just start adding variables here. And so it'll just be the, you know, the patient license cost. And so we'll add this a variable, you know, for Maryland, and then they'll, we'll add whatever, we'll add Oklahoma's fee here. And so essentially, we'll, we'll, try, we'll maybe even be able to use those as explanatory factors in, okay, how many patients are there. Yeah, but it's really small. I, I, I mean, just not knowing much about the industry, I can tell that. Um, you might also want to look at, um, well, I had a question first. Is, 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 um, a pay, does the patient pay a, a different price than the, than the, than the illegal price for, for marijuana? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know, but that's a great question. I will ask around. <laughs> yeah. Cause that... like if, patients, if, if, if basically if, if quote medical use of marijuana had a lower price or a higher price, that would be both, that'd be important. If it was a higher price, it would suggest that, hey, that's a disincentive to go get it. But if it was a lower price or the same price, then, hey, I want to, I want to join the book club, you know, if it's I was cheaper. Marijuana user. It, it, it cheaper, tends to be yeah, cheaper in Maryland. It's, it's like joining a Costco or something, right? Well, we normally have a guest uh, from Oregon, and I think he could attest to this. So essentially, I think in Oregon, they're going through measures to try to, you know, make sure that everybody is operating in the recreational market. And it's one of the, the funniest tales because it's basically, you know, they're not, I forget if it's Oregon, I want to say it is, but I feel they're, they're giving subsidies to, you know, to cannabis producers. And so I just thought it was funny where it, it was just sort of coming coming full circle um, that now something that used to be illegal, you know, strongly illegal. And now they're, they're you know, the government's kind of giving subsidies to, to get people to, you know, to do it legally. So. In Oklahoma, you can, you can oh, sorry, another, go ahead. The other thing you can probably get numbers on is CBD. Um, so as I understand it, CBD does not have THC. The primary motivation for recreational people, I think is the THC. So if it's a CBD user, then uh, I think what we'll have is um, that might be a good indication of the medical use by state. So I would go get CBD numbers by state if you can, because that because I think it will reflect people doing it for true medical reasons as opposed to hey I just wanted to smoke, <laughs> and then um, mm -hmm. and that's those numbers you probably could get, and that would also probably help you understand better um, the distribution of medical users as opposed to recreational users, because you can look at CBD and then compare that to the census data that you can easily download. Um, and, you know, you, you want to get out of Excel because you're going nuts trying to do it in Excel. Uh, just to be a devil's advocate here. Um, yes, so from a chemistry standpoint, um, marijuana has something called cannabinoids. So CBD is one, THC. Um, there are other ones a little bit more obscure, like uh, CBN, et cetera. Um, and the plant itself, medicinal, medicinally, um, naturally occurring, not plants that are bred specifically to have t high THC, but naturally occurring THC um, in a plant that has not been modified. Um, the cannabinoids work best together when they are used together. So... 
CBD itself, um, if you consume CBD, it's guaranteed to have less than like 0.3% or 0.03% THC so that it doesn't register on drug screens. But um, I think probably some individuals um, consume THC with their cannabis because it gives them a more holistic medicinal effect. Yeah, I mean, what you, what you say is, I mean, I don't disagree that there are some people but I think for most people, they don't get much of a buzz off CBD, as I understand it. And, uh, and I would and disagree. I'm so sorry. I would disagree. But okay, so I don't. I really don't. I'm, I'm speculating. And, but I don't know how you would. But you, point. So your position is that there are some people who say, "I'm going to take CBD for the buzz." Is, is it, I mean, I'm looking for your input or for your advice. You, you can get quote unquote high, I guess, from CBD, but it's not the same as a THC high. So the quote unquote high is more medicinal, like calmness, um, lesser anxiety, uh, things like that um, when it comes to altered mental state. Would you agree, Heather? Thank you. Well said. And so, so along those lines then, you might want to just go, do, again, ask your 20 people, hey, do any of you guys just take CBD without taking any THC or a supplemental marijuana. Uh -huh. and, and that would give you an idea then of, of the, uh, if you will, the medicinal usage yeah. of it. I think in general, uh, it, it, and again, I'm speculating here, this is a hypothesis that the people who are using it medicinally um, might not be the same people who use it. Well, there's a group of people who literally do use this. Uh, they have migraine headaches or something, and they literally just want to get the relief from the migraine. Yeah. They're not looking for a, uh, the THC and the THC is in it. Well, it's hard to remove THC. You know, it's a small amount. They didn't get that effect. And even though it does contribute, it, it has the specific receptors that it's hitting. It's a different receptor. So, um, you know. Yeah. You can never have too many data points. <laughs> it, exactly. And Sasha, you basically hit on the, the key here. And basically, I think what it comes down to is, well, basically, I'm just not satisfied with, just kind of just seeing these large estimates like oh the illegal market's this big or oh the the legal market's going to be worth this many in sales in 2020 so it's or in 2021 so so that's why we're going to start essentially collecting these data points ourselves and and then essentially let the data speak for itself absolutely yeah you never know you might uh, plot some obscure data point that everybody thinks is useless and it ends up being the outlier that explains everything you never know so, exactly so so thanks for bearing with us so so essentially this is the what we're going to be embarking on you know in the next week or two is essentially so on a state-by-state -state basis on a month-by-month -month basis so that way we can get estimates for 2021 and we can look at the past, we can see, okay, what are the actual, you know, sales that are occurring in, in the states? What was their population? If they have a medical program, you know, how many patients are there? And then what proportion of the state is that? And then we can start filling in factors like, okay, what's the licensing cost in that state? What is the age breakdown in that state? And so then these will 
there will be explanatory variables and depending on the size of our data set and the amount of variation, you know, they, we may not really be able to utilize them to their full extent or they may not have significant relationships, but it's always worth looking and we can begin to make plots and perhaps there may be things that are, are striking visually that even if they don't have statistical significance. So, so, so long story short, that's the road we're, we're, we're embarking on. And I think it, it'll be fruitful. And so long story short, we'll put together the cannabis data science estimate of the size of the cannabis market. And then we'll start making some, we'll basically make scenarios with various assumptions. So we're saying, okay, we, we may even have a calculator like this. So given, let's assume that every state consumed similar to Oklahoma, you know, with about, you know, between eight to 10% of the population consuming, well, then we could, we could estimate the potential size of the entire U.S. market. Or we may just end up taking the average number of patients once we, once we get even more data points. So once we have Oklahoma and Maryland and Colorado and Washington and Illinois and where have you, we can take the average and maybe, maybe the average is maybe looking maybe five, six percent of the population. So we can, we can play it out and we can kind of, we can make our own estimate of, okay, what's the size of the current market based on, you know, the cannabis data science groups estimates. And then we may even be able to estimate, okay, what, what is the potentially illegal market that's occurring that you may see become, you know, a legal market gradually. Um, because, because I'll leave you with this because basically my joke is, is okay, as we see this map fill in, um, you know, once all 50 states are are permitting cannabis then then at that point then maybe the federal government may uh, <laughs> may just have to legalize things by default so i'm not sure how that thing that works at that point so long story short that's the direction i see things going so but does anyone else have any comments or thoughts as we as we round near the end of the hour here Well, I, I just, just uh, th this looks like, like a market study. So if you wanted to find other things to leverage, um, you know, so uh, it, there's a lot of literature and so forth about how to do a market study. But that's essentially what we're doing here. Yes. And, and, um, and then I would, um, and, and I think that uh, there's a whole lot about data science that would start to come in as to what variables would be predictive and useful. And, so you want to see which variations, which things vary a lot. And the ones that vary a lot are often very helpful for explanatory. And it was things that don't vary very much, well, they're not going to be very useful data points because they don't help explaining things because they're not varying. So just a couple things to realize that there's a whole body of knowledge that you could you can tap into outside of you know the narrow marijuana industry to better understand uh, you know um, how to approach it. 
Exactly. And so essentially we are doing a, a market study. And so because, well, one could imagine if there was federal cannabis laws, then there could be interstate commerce of cannabis. And then you could see, then it would be relevant to to companies, you know, the, the multi-state operators at the moment, but other cannabis companies now, because even if, you know, there was cross-state then, um, you know, you could have your craft growers in Oregon, or maybe you have craft growers in Oklahoma just shipping their products to people all over the country. They could be shipping their products to New York or Maryland or where have you. So I'm just laughing a little bit because there's this other thing that's pretty similar. Cigarettes. Turns yes. out that the Indian nations are sovereign nations within the United States. And they don't pay federal taxes on their, you know, on their um, marijuana or on their uh, cigarettes. It could be, and they, and by the way, these Indian nations ship cigarettes between their nations already today. And so you could have a situation where people say, hey, go to your Indian, nearest Indian reservation and you get your marijuana there <laughs> and, and get by a whole bunch. I haven't, I haven't, I don't have any insight into that particularly, but you've got for example, up in Washington State, I know there are big reservations up there, and uh, people go there already to buy gasoline. Uh, so if you want to get something nationwide, well, that that might be a way that you can l legally go to the Indian reservation and buy something. It's not legal to take it off the reservation, perhaps. But um, I can tell you uh, that in Oklahoma, there are several tribes. Um, so anytime you do anything on a reservation, you have to get approval from, I guess you would call the tribal board. So um, there's a company, a chocolate company called Bedre, and they, I think it's the Choctaw Nation. Um, I can't remember exactly uh, where, but anyways, anytime that company makes any business decisions, they have to run it by the tribal board. Well, this company was going to partner with a can the cannabis industry to make edibles, um, you know, chocolate, etc. But the tribal board would not approve it because they did not want any kind of marijuana or marijuana derivatives on tribal land. Well, why is this? I can see why they already yeah. have an alcohol problem. But when it does like occur, it yeah. could definitely be a cash cow for them, no doubt. Yeah. Exactly. So... So lots of opportunities and as you pointed out there's you know things are still getting hashed out um you know everybody's deciding okay and even at a local level so that's uh, the story in michigan is uh, the local jurisdictions um you know different in illinois but and so there'll be so basically pe people are deciding okay who are going to be the the participants and you know some people may opt out, and, and that's perfectly okay. And so it'll just be. It, it, we're just doing our part to just start collecting data, just so people can have a lay of the land as you know as the rules are hashed out. So that way you know people aren't flying blind, and so that way we can know okay, you know this is the consumption rate in Oklahoma. It's similar to state X, Y, and Z. And then you could look at the characteristics in those states. So we're just doing just doing our part to to help crunch the numbers, since uh, data analysis is in high demand mm -hmm. and low supply.
I really appreciate this group and everyone's insights and background and bringing forth different things that I never even thought about. So um, I just want to thank everyone for taking out time to be here today. It's super helpful for me. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for coming, Sasha and Stephen and Heather, as always. So next week, we'll we'll look at some more numbers. Uh, this week, we were just kind of talking a, a lot more. So, so yeah, so thank you. And yes, keep your nose. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep your ear to the ground. And let me know if I... <laughs> we were talking about nose. We were talking about terpenes earlier. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah let me know if... Anything sparks your interest or comes across your mind, and when we'll uh, pick up again next week. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Enjoy your week. Bye now.